boom what's going on everybody 360 digital closing bell here we are here for our week ahead podcast in this gorgeous early morning september 21st 2020 times it's about 6 40 a.m her uh a.m here mountain central time oil currently trading about 4032 so just good to see a 40 handle on that as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show the director and publisher of the world's greatest website oil and gas 360.com Stuart, how you doing today it's beautiful day in the neighborhood but it's monday <laughs> it is a monday I, w- I was saying i am for whatever reason i am just tired this morning up a little later than i was last night but that's all right guys we have a great show for you lined up today kind of a, as like a hodgepodge of things we need to cover here um first you know the, the, there's some stuff with shell and, and and really kind of ties into this bp week that we need to cover I, I know we keep continuing to bang our heads into the sand about esg but we got to got to continue to talk about it. opec came out with some interesting stuff looks like everybody's cheating who would have guessed um Stu has some very interesting things he's going to talk about some solar grids microchips honestly i don't know he hasn't really told me much about this one so i'm going to be learning right along there with you guys um we have some interesting stories in the u.s shale side Stu's got stuff in the international news that's all of the levels this week we're really like i said oil's currently trading at 40 40 we're kind of back in what i you know said last week more tradable territory which is good to see especially if you're getting on order flow um before all of that guys please just subscribe to this show 360 digital closing on the oil and gas show on itunes spotify and intercom's youtube channel the best way to stay up to date on all of your energy market stuff this show is also brought to you by the world's greatest website oilandgas360.com which Stu is the director of you can check out everything energy news energy finance news m and m everything i would just go to oil and gas 360.com all of your problems will be solved. Check out the 360 News Desk, which is really a one-stop financial house where you're going to be able to see anything from dashboards, how, uh, overviews of how companies are doing, what the price of oil is currently doing, all the top stories that we're running on 360. So highly recommend checking out all of that. Stu also runs the Energy Expert Network, which is the industry thought leadership page. We interview everybody from around the industry. We have a crazy week lined up on that podcast. Give people an idea of who we've got coming up, what the schedule looks like, because I don't even know if i know this um hey this week michael you did an excellent uh, job with liberty frack and uh ron and the press yeah, i'll pat myself on the back on that one i did a that was a good one that was a good break one. your arm go ahead for have a break my arm pat myself on the back uh we have uh andrew the president of data gumbo uh we have our canadian sex uh sex woo canadian success story there was a nice freudian slip and then Enveris, uh, we had a nice in- interview with them and uh, got all that stacked, packed, and racked. I love it. Yeah, no, we've got a, a bunch of different things to run here um, on that on that podcast. Rob McBride from Enveris talked about some cool stuff. I'm just watching CNBC right now. It doesn't really apply to oil and gas, but for all of you day traders out there, Nikola, founder, Trevor Milton, out! As CEO, as of about 30 minutes ago, they're running on CNBC, as, as you know, not to sidetrack, but last week, uh, there was a huge uh, research report that came out from, from a company called Hindenburg, basically saying you should short that stock. I think everybody, uh, we, we don't need to dive into it, but Nikola Founder, out. Elon Musk probably wakes up feeling pretty good today. Then again, he's also 100, worth $100 billion, so it doesn't really matter. All right, let's dive into the show here. Like I said, we kind of have a hodgepodge of things. Stu, what do you want to start with? Let's do these microgrid things. I want to learn. Okay. 
Hey, in uh, California, California roughly has about 35% of their power uh, generated by renewables. Uh, 30, they're up to 35%. 35%. Here. I mean, it's a, it, it's a big number, but it in light of the fact that we were just talking about rolling blackouts for the past two weeks, it seems counterintuitive. Oh, here's something else uh, that's going on. And when you take a look at the Sierra Club, uh, 17 years ago, they put the, uh, they got the law signed where they could not manage federal uh, land and, and everything else. So uh, you take a look at statistics. Let's deal in numbers. Okay. Um, uh, the warehouser forests that are properly managed do not burn to the ground. You add arsons, you add uh, goofy people that have uh, believe the I need to fact check this, but there's about 200 people that have been arrested that have been burning fires over uh, millions of acres that have burned. All of this has created uh, smoke. Um, so that brings us up to uh, of the 35% uh, renewables, I thought I saw this morning, 14% uh, are solar. Of those 14%, a good chunk of those cannot be used. So one of the things that the grid requires is a consistent boost of power. Now everybody's saying microgrids. Microgrids can be made up in a couple of different ways. Even micro. So, what is? Can you explain to me what a microgrid even is? Uh, you this is this is your, yeah, this is your expertise. Remember, I'm a desk jockey, and I stare at charts all day. So, as in my favorite show says, pretend I'm a small child. Oh, well, Tell it to me as if I'm a small child. Michael, you have to smack me in the nose like a puppy all the time. You know, I'm I'm you're the adult in the room. Um, and as I say, microgrids come in all different kind of flavors. And what they are is a balance to keep the surges uh, from the solar and the wind that cannot generate sustained power. They range from batteries, which well, that's a whole nother subject, to uh, natural gas uh, plants and, and then- uh, Yeah, just I would say like side years. Okay, so they're basically backups. But they're, I'm sure there's a, yeah, okay, makes they're, sense. They're, they're basically backups, and they're designed for smaller forms. Okay. The one that cracks me up is uh, the article that came out this morning from, uh, my, it was an article called uh, Microgrid Knowledge. And they're touting that they can install a home generator uh, generation microgrid. All right. It's called a natural gas generator. <laughs> so they're wanting to install natural. They got a good IR guy. Do what? They got a good IR team. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought this, I got tickled. So if 30% uh, of the homes in uh, California, which means pipelines, which means, I mean, this is just, totally wonkers as far as mental 
uh, capacity of some of these people in power. They got the brain power of a potato bud when they're trying to figure out, oh, we don't want natural gas. Oh, but we'll call it a portable uh, power grid and the power companies have to approve it because when they're on, they could kick power back out to the grid and actually yep. hurt linemen and cause deaths on these microgrids that are not set up correctly. This is a mess and it's not being clearly thought out. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm guessing, I'm gonna use a pun here, with all the smoke in California, there's no way for them to think clearly. They're inhaling crap. I'm out of they fun. say. You, you, you know what they say, when there's smoke, there's fire. Follow the money. I think bribery is going everywhere. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna say bribery is what's going on. Um, no. But uh, I, I, it's a the sleight of hand that they're doing with the terminology and what you've accurately pointed out. The now the apparent hypocrisy in just some of the policies. I mean, it's and it and natural gas is being very very much needed. And then you take a look at the hypocrisy. Of so. So let me ask you this, because really what this comes down to is, you know, natural gas is the fuel transition to clean carbon or to, to, to a cleaner atmosphere. I mean, that's kind of our assumption. That is I mean, correct. That's not a new topic, though. That, that you know, Aubrey McLennan was saying that in 2006. There was the push in 2010 to get this done. Is now, what's different, you think, about today than those other times, because this isn't a new thing that we're, we're pushing here. It's maybe more back in the spotlight. Do you think there's something different going on today? Um, there is. Cause I don't know. I don't know if I even know the answer to that question. I just think I, I, I well, I don't want to say, I don't know the answer. My best guess would be is because is what sort of what you just said, follow the money. I think right now you're seeing a huge shift of institutional money move from traditional energy resource spending to let's, you know, as we as we've covered for weeks, BlackRock coming out saying we're only going to do 100% clean carbon. You know, all of these people go. So, does that maybe has something to do with it? You know, it, well, Warren Buffett said, I believe it was four years ago. There is absolutely zero reason to invest in wind um, unless you get a tax credit. Tax credits are on a roll down, um, and so if the government and which is you, the consumer, um, is not funding that. It is absolutely a joke. Um, so when you, you consider we no longer have the ability to have a human conversation with the left-wing uh, folks, uh, you and I have talked on the show. I believe in balanced power, getting the lowest kilowatt per hour while saving the planet and being good stewards of the planet. Okay, let's have a discussion of solar. Let's have a discussion of renewable. I really want the best for the planet and humanity. You can't talk to some of these people without getting beat up. I mean, it's just, they have no ears to listen. And that, Michael, I think is the biggest difference is that the uh, inability for people to have a proper grown-up discussion 
is the number one problem. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think people are open to a conversation more than you think. I think a lot of the the people who aren't interested in a conversation get more of the spotlight. It's kind of like the 80-20 rule. 80% of the people get, you know, twenty percent of the people get 80% of the coverage and generally those people a little more. But no, I get your point. I think I think what all of this brings up is we just have to be honest about our energy use, our energy needs, and how we move forward to achieve some of these goals. Because I'm all for, you know, a carbon-free atmosphere by 2050 or whatever the term. Oh, absolutely. Is. Sure, I'm I'm down. But it has oil and gas is in the best position to help us get there. It's not a supplement of that per se. This whole discussion is also brought up by this morning's news in Japan that uh, they are extending uh, six reactors. They currently have 64 uh, reactors. Uh, online and they have a normal lifespan of 40 years. So the normal lifespan of 40 years, they are uh, approving this morning uh, four of them to go to 60 years, an additional 20 years on those four. Now, the cost per kilowatt hour on the nukes is about the best on the world when you consider that a wind farm and let's say the uh, not recyclable parts uh, may only last five years, may only last seven, which is what the industry has been showing. So uh, let's see, 60, uh, okay. Uh, So the parts and pieces that are going into uh, non-ecological on the, all these big wind farms is pathetic. You take a look at nuclear, I really believe uh, fusion uh, is generating all of the nuclear uh, reactors. And then you take a look at fission, um, uh, which is going to be the one that puts the atoms together, uh, or excuse me, fusion. Now we're talking over my head. Fusion, fission, it's like you sound like the, Iron Man. The the, uh, the waste of those two combined and the, and the technologies coming around the corner is water. So, I, I mean, you got to, uh, that's where I believe is a very, very big player. Okay, enough of that said. Yes. Well, that's okay. No, I think it's important to cover and it's the ongoing story of the shift to renewables. And I think that's a good segue into what Shell has announced. And I think, Stu, give us an overview. What did Shell announce? Was this over the weekend on Friday? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, okay, just as... Because it falls in line, not with this, but, you know, it falls in line with what we covered last week in BP Week with their whole transition from fossil fuels to quote-unquote carbon-free. Oh, absolutely. And um, this is a a great follow-on. I mean, you have BP, E&I, and Shell are all migrating. They're getting out of the oil. And there was a great quote in the article. With E&I, BP, Shell migrating away from fossil fuels and on the way to renewables, the question is now being asked, what will happen to the consumers on all products made with fossil fuels? You know, we've talked about how much product in the world is made with fossil fuels. 
the rest of the quote is the uh, pricing models are indicating volatile and dramatic price increases on almost all manufactured products. The consumers will be the hurt on almost all products. Not yeah, 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 yeah. No, and so to kind of give everybody an overview, Shell announced that they're looking to slash up to 40% of the cost that it does to produce oil and gas in a major drive to save cash so they can really overhaul the way business works. The, 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 their new cost-cutting venture, this just cracks me up. Project Reshape, yeah. which is a.k.a. We're just going to lay a bunch of people off. That, yeah. I, have, you, have you seen Office Space? Yeah. Four it's the bills. Dollars. Project Reshape, it's the bills. It, it's so what do, you, what do you do here? Well, Tell me a little bit about what you do here. Um, let's take a look at some stats that are in the article, Michael. Okay. Uh, Shell's overall operating costs came to $38 billion and capital spending to $24 billion. And they're not advertising on the podcast? With $24 billion in CapEx, you can't throw a little money, oil and gas, 360 way for a sponsorship? Shame on you, Shell. Oh, Shame on and, you. And we would cover them totally unbiased if they were a sponsor. Nah, just yeah. shame on you. Um, I'm not biased. I'm now mad. And Michael, before the show, you and I were uh, talking. They are only going to focus in the Gulf of Mexico, Nigeria, and the North Sea. Oh, I wonder why. It's yeah. profitable in any oil price. Uh, and they are cutting their cost. But you're so smart. Shell, you guys are so smart. I take everything back. I said, you're just so smart. Um, here's here's one, uh, another stat that's in here. Um, I don't know how this is going to play in, but they have 45,000 service stations. Uh, yeah, I just filled one up last night to go pick my friend up. Oh, well, yeah, um, but they are looking at how much cost is it going to be to turn those into electrical charging stations? Where does the power come from to charge a car? <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think Shell's going to answer that question. I think Shell's going to see this as electric. They're going to have the, they're going to keep their refineries. I mean, this is what the article said is very clear. We just. The, 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 it's a ESG art. It's an it's a article of basically saying we're shifting our focus to more profitable sectors, disguised as we're doing it because we're green. I mean, again, they have a great PR team over at Shell because this whole article is why we're shifting to midstream utilities, power, shifting to all these more stable, cost efficient, more regulated industries, and they're only doing it to make money. But yet the article is disguised as its ESG, Project Reshape. It's <laughs> exactly. the bills. Uh, there's a couple more stats in this article that I highlighted this morning before our show. And that is, uh, it does say in here that Europe... See, here we go, here we go. Te low, teams at Here's a quote in the article. Sorry, I should have said Teams at Shell's three main divisions are also studying how to reshape the business by cutting thousands of oil and gas jobs, removing management layers, both to save money and create a nimbler company. I mean, I'm all for removing just layers of management. I think that's where companies tend to bloat themselves up with. You've got six VPs running your reservoir. It's like, yo, you only need two. Figure out some. Figure out somewhere. So, but it's project reshape. Exactly what they're doing. Reshaping how many people work at the company. Figuring out. You know, on a on another note, you take folks over at Liberty Frack, and they know how to manage their employees to the best of the care of the employees. This is, 
I understand why people want to riot against the big corporation. This is one that said, um, let's hit the picket lines. Uh, <laughs> let's hit the, that, let's hit the, um, yeah, give us some other stats. Cause there's okay. some, interest, there's the, some more. The stuff. other one is they are down now, uh, 10, uh, 210 refineries from 17 last year. Those refineries are being sold off as fast as they can. So, why though? Why do they say why they're selling off refineries? Um, they are trying. They are trying to become um, carbon uh, free and oil free, uh, so they can run down the street and protest. I don't know. Uh, I guess they'll okay. pay employees to go protest in the streets. I, I don't think they're doing. I I I I think what's happening. But BP and Shell. And Ian, I, you talked about that oil and gas easily published. I think these guys are taking advantage of the ESG narrative to strategically look at their business and say, hey, I actually think going forward in what's probably lower oil prices, what's probably a more volatile industry, the safer bet is high margin offshore production in which yes. we will just borrow a lot of money for and owning physical midstream and downstream assets. Now Shell's kind of getting out of that. I mean, and, and they're using the ESG framework, I think, to really just not mask it, but I, I it, it's just it's convenient for them. So I, I don't. I, I think this is. I, I, I think they're using the framework a little more than not. But you seem to think they've drank the Kool Aid. This is where uh, well, we disagree a little bit. I, I, the evil side uh, of um, the thought process on this is that we just talked about Warren Buffett. There is no sense in, in being a businessman and investing in uh, renewables without tax credits. What is happening in the rest of the world right now? All fake money being printed going to COVID responses. Those COVID responses are all tied to ESG and renewables. So if you th sit 99%, let's throw some number out there that we'll have to, you know. Never say never. Yeah. Correct us if we're wrong. Anything we say. Remember, we do math on napkins. We yeah. do research. But think about that. On our phones. If you're a businessman and you know that all of the governments in the world, I mean, we're not talking one or two. We're talking 120, 130 are all sitting there thinking, oh, uh, we're making money in order to pay for renewables. I mean, the world has drinking uh, the Kool-Aid, period. And it's not a business decision. Uh, Germany had uh, some serious problems just recently, and I'm trying to get those numbers, but they have failed. Everybody uses them as a renewable um you know superpower and they've spent way more it's the highest per kilowatt hour in the world and they're guess who gets to pay it you yeah the people so um you know that to me is a follow-on to your bp week you know, our shark week of, uh, at, it, it just confirmed everything that we talked about last week. Yeah, no, it, it really does. Um, 
you know, because like I, I think we're in slightly different camps on this one. But it'll be, I mean, it'll be interesting. Really, what I, what, what the, I think the interesting thing will be, what does a company like Chevron and Exxon do going forward? I mean, Chevron is based in San Ramon, California. I mean, I think they're more likely to leave California as their headquarters before they are sort of to go this route. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Watch we'll what continue happens to, to taxes. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, We've got also some OPEC Plus news happened, but I want to save that for the internet. We'll just save that for the international news back next year. Let's go ahead and just shift in to the crude oil prices. As always, guys, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do great research, sandstonecg.com. Call them, 303-907-6825. Got to tell them you mentioned the – got to tell them the podcast sent you. We don't get credit. We appreciate you guys keep calling them, but you got to mention the podcast. Trust me, they're good guys. They'll give you a sweet deal. Um – when we look at just the levels for the week, I, I mean, we're, we're bullish now. I mean, we're sitting here, you know, we're sitting about 20, 25 minutes away from the open. Not looking good for the equities markets. Opening bell hit 25 minutes. Dow implied open down about 500 points. So we're going to see a nice little slide off Friday. That Friday slump, ooh, Monday Monday slump moving into it. So, uh, um, you know, CNBC is telling us it's second wave coronavirus. Ah, who knows if that's true? They just got to pick something to figure out why tra- why the algos want to drop today lower. Um, but it's like I said, crude's here uh, forty thirty eight, so it means holding steady ish. I, th- I think there's a couple levels. I think thirty eight seventy two is probably a level on the downside that if you if you are interested in day trading and want to get long probably a decent level i mean we've seen all the way down to 3706 so you know be careful there is some room on the downside but i really think there's there, there's a large chunk i'd even say maybe 39's that floor right there um if you are looking to get long right now you got 30 3973 i think is a good good level 4017 i like um 4062 4030 um seven point of control for the last five days, um, yeah, for the last five days here, forty-one, thirty-two. So I mean, there's there is some room to the upside to to, to continue. You know, if you, if you do want to get long here, currently we're kind of bouncing between um, forty, sixty-two, and and forty, seventeen years. So we're kind of it ain't nothing right now. I'd recommend sitting it out there again. We're only looking at price chat action. So go check out the order flow and the natural gas side. It's not going to be good. I mean, we're dollar ninety-four right now and continuing to slide as as these temperatures get. You know, what's interesting is these temperatures have been hotter than normal, but we're seeing builds still, which is abnormal. We need to see stock draws in crude oil, and so that's or, or in natural gas, excuse me. So that's what really you're seeing. I mean, we talk about on what happened on you know Thursday, why you saw that tumble of the table from 225 all the way down to where we're trading at now. It's like a you know 195, all off the back of 89 billion cubic feet build. Um, in natural gas, which you know we should be drawing in this season, theoretically should be getting colder. People should be driving. You know, a lot of things should be happening, but unfortunately, it's not. So we'll be we'll be checking all out with there. On the U.S. shale side, there, there there's a couple things um, we we got to talk about. One, I mean, you know, if you're on that Gulf Coast, they are just getting pounded with with hurricanes. Currently, Tropical Storm Beta is strengthening, and over the weekend, Shell came out. Our, our, our favorite. Uh, company said it's beginning to initiate evacuations and shut in some of its production in most of its western gulf platform per deal but we'll continue to monitor our other facilities right now um, um there's still about 30 percent of offline production from sally so i think some of that is in the exact same path none of the refineries are really in um 
um, in way. But yeah, as of September 16th, or excuse me, 18th, 396,000 barrels of oil output, which is 21%, and about 435 MCF of gas per day, which is about 60%, still remained offline. Um, peaked at about 30%. This is according to the U.S. Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement, courtesy of our friends at TGS for all your data needs. Ding, ding. Um, so we'll be monitoring beta. Um, that should make landfall. It's either tonight or tomorrow. Um, so we'll, we'll be covering all of that. Denbury Resources is no longer. It's now Denbury Inc. And they begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange today. Uh, you got to love it, Stu. All I'll say is same management team, same assets, same strategy, still have debt. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I, I, that's about all that needs to be said. I, you know, the, I think the last story that's happening on the U.S. shale side, um, um, we've been following in Colorado here Senate Bill 181, which is really a huge shift in how oil and gas and, and, and the resources and how the regulations played out as managed. Senate Bill 181 is trying to really not shift away even power from the Colorado Oil and Gas Commission, but really set extremely stingent and vague rules that are really could be left up to interpretation. You know, when you write a law, you want it. You, you, you know, I, I think it's funny. People say, why are laws so vague? Well, so they can stay employed. If you made laws clear, it'd be very easy to figure out what to do and not do. What the law, you know what I mean? You know, we need lobbyists. We need lawyers. We need six, con congressmen needs seven staff members to write 400-page 400 400-page 400 bills when really just say, no more ethanol. I don't know. Like, that's just what the bill should, you know. It's so, um... I think I think some of the reason why you see these you see these really complex bills like specifically Senate 181, they just got to keep people in charge. But on top of that, there has been a huge push for the air and quality, and, and right now the, the the air quality management only covers production operations, and so that's sort of how the law in Colorado is worked out. That the the, the federal or the the state air commission only can start regulating and monitoring on a continual basis and have air quality limits once you start producing oil and gas because it's obvious you know drilling and fracking for oil you're gonna release you're gonna release some emissions you're gonna release some noise it's you know it's gonna be and there's some things that specifically like open pit um, disposals um, making sure you have proper things those are things that probably should already be doing closed pit wastewater management systems probably should already be having those but we're not and so that's part of this this push right now in the cogcc to um oh, what's going on in this lawsuit but the other half of it has to do with moving these air quality limits into the drilling and fracking process which i'm not a scientist I tend to lean oil and gas, just tell you my bias, clearly. I mean, we're on oil and gas 360, for goodness sakes, here. Um, so I'm going to lean on this one and say, I, I don't, but there's two different uh, frames of thought here. You have half, you got about half, I mean, API, you know, American Petroleum Institute came out in favor of these new regulations that basically bring the emissions qualities from U.S. Uh, or from uh, production. All the way to drilling and fracking. Even Colorado Oil and Gas Association President Dan Haley came out and said, you know, we're, we're basically in agreement. What was his quote? 
said it in said yeah, Dan Haley here's the are Dan Haley, president of Colorado Oil and Gas Association, a trade group, a trade group, oil and gas trade group, said in the email that his group agrees with most of the proposed regulations. But COGA members support continued monitoring for a period of ninety days following the commencement of oil production, not six months. Ninety days is more than sufficient for pre production and early production phase. So I, I'm sure there's so many I, we could go through and talk about each of the little different regulations. The point is Colorado was in the midst of this regulatory fight between environmental groups and the oil and gas industry. And it'd be interesting who wins. I mean, right now you talk about in in Colorado, it's it, it's we're a blue state. I'm, we're, we're coming to you, we're not live, but we're coming to you here. Take one. I don't think we'll need to re- do another take. So this is, this could have been live if we really wanted to, but uh, um, you know, we're 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 pretty much a blue state. And, and you know, Governor Jared Polis, he he's he, he's he's a Democrat. Um, both the House and the Senate are both different. So, I mean, this will probably pass. This will probably get approved. And this is what we're going to have to deal with now in Colorado. So I think instead of complaining about it, we should just start figuring out how to abide by this. And I think maybe that's what some of these companies are, but maybe you'll start seeing some people move. Um, Stu, what do you have on the International News Desk? we got a couple things that happened over uh, the weekend. And um, uh, Iraq... Uh, could generate over 3.5 gigawatts by capturing 40% of the gas that they flare. Let me set that uh, conversation up a little bit. Russia is the number one flaring uh, country in the world. Iraq is number two. And you ought to see, I mean, they just burn everything that they possibly can. And, uh, you know, the U.S. flaring is almost nothing when you compare this. And uh, some of the facts and the numbers on this, um, they basically produce only 18 gigawatts electricity, but they need 30 gigawatts. So it would make monetary sense for them to go ahead and put in gas lines and then power their country based on the differential that they need. Um, Bad management equals bad numbers. These are guys, the Sierra Club, we have a sick, the Sierra Club on the Iraq folks or uh, any of the, world uh i have too many i have too many jokes we just have to stop there <laughs> i've got too many jokes i'm gonna get myself in trouble but i thought it was pretty funny now this feeds into um the next one uh saudi uh the opec plus saudi minister is saying that opec plus is they want to now dissolve, dissolve uh, they're kind of hinting at it in discussions, uh, get rid of OPEC plus. And the reason is because uh, nobody's following the rules. And, you know, uh, Michael, what what's one of the key rules about OPEC? It, it affects the price, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they, They've been more of a market mover in the past. They are still a market mover, and it's a, a pretty much a a, 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 you know, if it's not a stated goal, it's a very, it's a very non-overt, 
or it's a very overt strategy of wanting to control the market. So everything they do is attempted to gain more market share. Exactly. So OPEC and its uh, allies in August rolled back their historic 9.7 million barrels per day production to 7.7 million barrels per day. And all countries that exceeded their quota was a cumulative 2.37 million barrels. I'm doing some paper napkin math here, right? Doesn't look like they reduced anything. <laughs> no, they definitely if, 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 if the pen doesn't if the pen doesn't drip through the napkin, I think you're right on that one. Uh, okay, it, it was so anyway, I, it, it just is a funny to me that they have all these meetings, they stand up there and then nobody complies with it. Yeah. Um you know, yeah, yeah, and all that was started the Russia thing because the the prince got in a fight with Putin and the rest of the world. Uh, Michael, this brings us back to uh, our NOPAC. We really need the North American Oil Producers uh, Group. Let's get rid of OPEC yeah. and and trade with Canada and Mexico for the right blends of energy that we need. I saw these hats on Twitter this weekend. I don't know who makes them, but shout out to them. If if, if, if you do make them, send me one. But I saw Bropec. What's a Bropec? I don't know. It's just bros controlling the price of oil. I don't know. It just was hilarious. They made these hats called Bropec Plus. We have to, we have to find out who that is. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny, but... I think it's everything. So I'm looking at my list here. I got a nice little list for everybody of what we needed to cover. Um, I think that's everything. I mean, I don't want to say it was a slow week. I think, you know, the topics of the show are shifting more towards politics. God, yay. Uh, Just, I'm going into a coma, Stu. Wake me up till after the election. You manage the show. You you can push out the content. I, I'm about, uh, we've, uh, we're turning into, you know, we're, I'm turning into Anderson you know, Cooper over here. Um, my sources, uh, we've been covering the Mediterranean for quite a while, and uh, my sources are saying this is going to slow, going to be a slow week while some negotiations go on. So I'm hoping I'm right on that, but if something blows up, it means my sources stunk. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll know the validity of all that, and so that you heard it here first, guys. We're waiting for Middle East or uh, Mediterranean. Um, news to drop, but I think with that, I think it's the perfect time, Stu. We're about here at 40 minutes. Let it go ahead and let these guys get out of here, get back to work. Seriously, guys, thank you for checking out 360 Digital Closing Bell, available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, via the 360 Digital Closing Bell feed, or the Oil and Gas Show feed. We're also brought to you by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. Thank you. We will see you this afternoon. Thank you.